You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, a scrimmage-winning edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering everything you want to know about your New Orleans Pelicans, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, literally wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Thursday day after... A game day, scrimmage game day, not quite the real thing, but still the real thing. And the Pelicans are victorious 99 to 68 over the Brooklyn Nets. There's some things to take away from this game, some things not to take away from this game, but it is a game with lineups and players playing well and some guys not playing well. The Brooklyn Nets, I don't know, feeling like a zombie team out here. So we're going to break it down for you in the first segment. Second segment, we've got an update on Zion Williamson. What could his return look like? The Pelicans put out a statement on that today. And then finally, we're going to wrap up talking about the final bubble bubble team, the Memphis Grizzlies with Mark King of Locked On Grizzlies. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. All right, I'm jazzed up. But before we get to all of this, today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need over at rockauto.com. All right, so NBA basketball actually happened yesterday and the Pelicans played. We'll get into their 99-68 win over whoever's on the Brooklyn Nets here in a minute, but... Uh, how nice was it to watch like actual basketball again? It's it's a little weird with the shortened quarters, but they treated it like a real game, which helped keep kind of the flow of things. Essentially, it was a preseason game, less so than a scrimmage, I think, um, because I kind of get a different feel for that. But it was a real game of two different teams in different jerseys in their proper jerseys playing basketball and trying to score and do all those basketball things. We have not seen this in what is now longer than the actual offseason in the NBA. That's kind of what we hit uh, the other day with this. It is officially longer than the offseason, the break that we've had. So these are, it's a little weird, right? There were no crowds in there. They played the music in. You had a radio broadcast if you watched it on the uh, pelicans.com stream like I did, which is overlaid over a TV broadcast. And the radio broadcast is kind of fundamentally different than a TV broadcast is. So it's a bit of a different feel there too, though it's really fun hearing them call the game. And you kind Kind of saw some of the weirder things. The sidelines a little bit weird with the social distancing and players in chairs, but spaced out. So they're not all kind of crammed there. You could get different camera angles because you don't have fans in the stands. So you can kind of get a low camera angle from the baseline in the sides, which was really cool. The court looks gigantic. That was maybe my biggest complaint, all of this, that watching it, it just felt like they were engulfed by the court. There's no paint around the edges. And when you look under the basket, which is usually filled with a line of photographers trying to get shots, they're not there anymore. So you just see the hardwood and it makes it look so big. Now, they're probably going to put some ads in there, either digital ones there or, you know, just actually paint the court. I'm not sure yet. Um, you saw some very cool stuff behind the benches where they had big video display screens. It's at Brooklyn Nets, New Orleans Pelicans. They can move and do all that. And I think you'll see some of the virtual fans kind of put in there too. Maybe you record something, send it in, and it gets put on there because we've seen them do that in uh, soccer in other countries. So it's it wasn't nearly as weird 
as I thought it was going to be. We saw some weird things today in the NBA. The Nuggets trotted out one of the weirdest freaking lineups we've ever seen. That was a lot of fun. Um, Nikola Jokic, their center, was the point guard. Bol Bol, who's maybe the tallest player in the NBA or one of the few tallest in the NBA, was the starting small forward. They basically played five big men, five front court players. So we saw some weird things. And I thought just watching a game was going to be weird. It wasn't. You kind of just watching this fell back into the natural rhythm and flow of all this. Refs were blowing their whistle. There was a tip off. It actually didn't seem that strange. It was just fine. It felt a little bit more exhibition-like than these normally would have felt. But I think all things considered, that's not really a big deal. So overall, this was fine. So that was kind of cool to see and experience. And then the Pelicans went out and won. And they beat the Brooklyn Nets 99-68, which given what that Nets roster is, no surprise. So let's break down what we saw from them in this scrimmage. So before the game started, we found out that Derek Favors wouldn't be playing just a rest day. It's not like you really need him to play in situations like this. He played uh, played pretty sparingly in preseason too. So this is no big deal. Fine. In comes Jackson Hayes to the starting lineup. Nicolo Melli at power forward. Brandon Ingram at small forward. Drew Holiday at the two guard and Lonzo Ball at the point guard position rounding out the backcourt. This is maybe what we would expect to see um, without Zion Williamson, just switch Hayes for favors. And the starting lineup did work. They came out looking very good, looking very crisp. You need to almost put like an asterisk on this. It's the Brooklyn Nets who are going to probably be the worst team in this bubble. They don't really have NBA players on there. There's no Spencer Dinwiddie, no Kevin Durant, no Kyrie Irving, no DeAndre Jordan, no Torian Prince, no Wilson Chandler, no Nicholas Claxton for them. Their starting uh, best guy is Karis LeVert, followed by then Jared Allen and then Garrett Temple. When Garrett Temple is your third best player, and I like Garrett Temple, uh, yeah, you know, that's kind of the situation you find this team in. So New Orleans should look really, really good compared to this Nets team. The good news is they did. You got to be happy with that. Just doing what you're supposed to do. Brandon Ingram came out looking absolutely excellent in this one. He only played in the first half, playing just at 11 minutes, four of seven from the field, three of five from deep, 12 points on the night. He didn't need to really attack much because his shot was falling. Three threes is very good for him. And he showed a penchant for getting the ball early and then ripping a shot. He feels a lot of confidence in that three point stroke of his. And with his height, with his length, You can't really guard it. It's like when Kevin Durant pulls up from three, like, what are you supposed to do? You can jump up. You're, you know, you're a defender. You're an NBA player. You're tall. You can jump high. He's got longer arms than you do. He's taller than you are. So his shoulders are further up. There's just not a whole lot you can do to contest it. So even when someone's close to him, it's a good shot. And if he's going to go three of five from deep in these games because he feels it falling, well, then, yeah, it's going to be really good. And so three-point shooting became a theme for New Orleans in this one. They were 13 of 32, 40.6%. They're still feeling it. That is definitely a thing. You had Lonzo Ball make two, go two of five. Each one more was rocking in this one, two of two from deep. He finished tied for the lead in scoring with 14 points on just eight shots. He looked good, five of eight from the field. And as we look at this roster and look at this depth, everyone's not talking about this dude. You should be. The Pelicans love him. 
He is a solid, if unspectacular, player for this team that can fill a variety of different roles. He got a lot of minutes in this one for for what we were kind of expecting. Everyone wants to talk about Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Josh Hart, J.J. Redick. Each one more, though, off the bench is going to be a solid dude for this team, especially if guys aren't really playing over 30 minutes in the first couple seeding games. He's going to need to come up big, and I actually trust him to. He's had a very, very good year. And don't forget, Drew Holiday said, when each one plays, we win. He was great in this game. Speaking of Drew Holiday, we'll talk about him coming up because a bit of an up and down game for him in this one. But let's head over into the second segment here. So coming up in a moment, we'll touch on that. So today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Maybe your car's not running. Maybe you're just looking to get better at fixing up a car or you're restoring a classic it's a pain to go to chain stores. You've got to put on clothes because everyone's staying home, right? You got to put on a mask, go inside, wait while someone types at the desk to try and look up the part that you you want, and they may or may not have that at their warehouse, and they're only going to have one version of it, so you're beholden to the price that they have, which is going to be high because they know what they can do to you and kind of rake you over the coals for more money. But rockauto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years, and go to rockauto.com to make it incredibly easy to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. No matter what you're driving, they're going to have it. You have a Honda, they're going to have it. You have a Chevy, they're going to have it. You have a Nissan, they're going to have it. They're going to have everything that you might be driving, whether it's engine control modules, brake pads, tail lamps. You can even get new carpet and refresh the interior of your car. It's super easy to do. So whether it's your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. That's exactly what you want to do right now. Their online catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, choose the brands, specifications, and even prices that you prefer. And best of all, Prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Well, spend up to twice as much for the same parts. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com all right, so Drew Holiday in this game struggled at least offensively to start. He finished with 10 points on the night, but on just four of nine shooting, which isn't atrocious, but it's not good either, and was one of three from the line, an area he's kind of struggled unchar- uncharacteristically all season long. He is a notorious slow starter. At the beginning of seasons, this is a dude that doesn't have it going and just gets better with time. So getting him 15 minutes in this one, getting him some run out there on the court, these games and scrimmages really mattered for him, I think. Uh, Anytime there's a new situation, a new starting lineup, anything like that, he struggles with it. So some consistency could be very good for him if they can find any of that over these three games leading up to the game against the Utah Jazz. Defense, though, yeah, that, that was there. Fighting through screens, flying through screens, doing all of the different things you would want. He kind of gave it to you all on that side where I think he's had a bit, bit, I should say, of a down year. But he was at least aggressive in this one. If you look at his shot chart, you feel kind of 
good. He missed a couple of easy shots at the rim. He's three of six, basically in the restricted area. That's not good. You should be shooting above 50% there. If you can convert on two more of those and you go five of six there, things look a little bit better. And two of them were really easy bunnies that he just could have made. But that aggressiveness, the willingness to attack, which we haven't always seen from him, that's what you want to see out of Drew Holiday. The shooting and just finishing at the rim wasn't there, but that'll get better. But at least the aggressiveness breaks down a defense and opens things up for everyone else. So that has a lot of value in it, even if it's not translating into the box score and what you're seeing from him. He's doing the right things. And by doing these right things, he's such a good player. We know the results will come for that eventually. If he can figure it out over these next two scrimmages, perfect. We're going to feel really good. Lonzo Ball did have that good uh, three-point shooting I mentioned, two of five, but the aggressiveness wasn't there. But his passing was good. The rebounding was good. Three assists, three rebounds. He kept the ball moving, made the right passes. You can see him kind of looking. Uh, And I have to feel very, very good about him coming into the bubble. If he finds a little bit more aggressiveness, is willing to drive and attack, then you're going to feel great about his play. And he's going to kind of surprise the league. He did get into the paint twice, took two, made one of two, but took two long mid-range jumpers, which just like aren't his bag whatsoever. He's got to avoid that. The three-point shooting's good. I dig that. We want more of that from him. But the rest of it, fine. Everything he gave you tonight, totally fine. I've got no real complaints other than just do it a little bit more. But that's okay. Give it some time. We're not trying to rush anything. The other guards, though, that we haven't talked about yet, we can call Josh Hart that. He finished with five points. You know what he's going to give you. He's one of two from deep, grabbed five boards. He was good in this game. J.J. Redick had a bad shooting night, one of five, one of three from deep, five points. I'm not worried about him. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is an interesting one because he played 21 minutes in this one, uh, second most, and... They're clearly trying to give him an opportunity to cement a strong rotation position. I don't know if he really lived up to that just yet. So everyone has raved about Nikhil Alexander-Walker recently, and we've seen it. He grew about an inch, three quarters of an inch during this break. He switched shooting to his left hand from his right hand. He's ambidextrous, so he can kind of do both. And they think his shooting stroke is going to be a little bit better. He's going to finish around the rim a little bit better. Um, that didn't really happen in this game. He was 6 of 15 from the field, 40%. He finished with a team-high 14 points. Each one more, though, got his 14 on 8 shots. It took Nikhil 15 shots to get his 14. He was 1 of 6 from 3. Did finish with 4 assists. Did finish with four rebounds, but also three turnovers. We don't need we don't need to dive into those too much. Those turnovers weren't great, though. A lot of that was just kind of bad passes that were all of a sudden went out of bounds that he should not have been making. But there is some good stuff here with him. He was 4-4 at the rim. The driving, the attacking, the aggression, the aggressiveness, he definitely finished around the rim better. You could see it. It's the three-point shooting and those long twos that he took. He took three really long twos that just take a step back, make him a three, and were not as upset. But it's the one of six from deep that really kind of buried him in this one. But if he cuts down on launching some of those threes, this dude loves to shoot. Loves to shoot. Having that much confidence as a rookie is a good thing. You almost though want to kind of clamp it down a little bit and be, don't don't do some of that stuff. Just keep driving and going and attacking and dumping off when it's not there. And when he does that, it's impressive. And he should be in the rotation, probably over a guy like Frank Jackson at this point. So going four four around the rim and finishing really well, 
if he can work on drawing contact would only be the only thing you'd kind of complain about, but I'm not even really complaining about that if you're making your shots. But driving, attacking, breaking down a defense, when Zion's back in there out there on the court, it makes Zion so much more of a threat, so much more of a threat. And it's going to make shooters more open. The Pelicans need someone in this role to have that aggressiveness and be able to score around the basket. It's one thing to drive and not score or get to the line. You've got to be able to finish. And Nikhil showed it off. There's a reason the Pelicans were so high on him this offseason, this offseason, this break, whatever it's called. And now you're seeing it in the game. Other guy in the starting lineup, by the way, Nicolo Melli, two of five, seven points, was just like kind of solid. Looked to be a bit of a better rebounder in this one than we've seen from him before. So overall, very good scrimmage from New Orleans with this one. They were clearly, clearly the better team than the Brooklyn Nets, and they played like it. There's something to be said for that. And they're also bombing away from three, which I really dig too. So this was a great, great first showing from the Pelicans in the bubble. So quickly, before we get into my chat with Mark King of Locked on Grizzlies to talk about their chances in the bubble, what he thinks of New Orleans, we got an update from Zion. Nothing huge. Basically, the Pelicans said there is still no timetable for him to return. He's been getting tested daily. He's testing negative. That's a good thing. The only thing is he's got to be back by Sunday to clear the four-day quarantine, assuming he keeps testing negative to be able to make it back for the opening game against the Utah Jazz. So there's a bit of a time crunch in it. We we don't know if it's going to happen. There, there's no update there. That's just kind of where things stand. He's healthy. He's been testing negative for COVID-19. All of that's really good. All things considered, like it's going as well as it could be. We'll just see if he's back by Sunday or not. So coming up, let's preview the final bubble bubble team, the Memphis Grizzlies with Mark King of Locked on Grizzlies. Before we do that, though, don't forget, subscribe to Locked on Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from here Monday through Friday for you all breaking down everything you want to know. The only podcast doing it also recently launched a Pelicans newsletter called Bird is the Word. It's going to be in your inboxes every Monday, though. I might change that to Friday, potentially, just to kind of recap the week for you all, Um, giving you everything you need to know. It's going to be short. It's going to take like all two minutes to read be a little bit more fun and funny in there as well i'm looking forward to that go to pelsnews.substack pelsnews.substack.com to subscribe joining me now on locked on pelicans i've got mark king host of the locked on grizzlies podcast you can follow him on twitter at king underscore producer mark thanks for taking the time man absolutely i am glad to be here thanks for having me i love doing these shows i love talking about other teams and and uh, just getting ready for the NBA season. Yeah, the, uh, what I've been telling everyone is these are really fun to do because it means we're getting like, real basketball back sooner rather than later. And we're just basically Very a week st- or so. I know, like a week or so away from this um, for the NBA's restart. This is going to well, be intense, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. The Grizzlies are. And the Grizzlies are. I don't, I don't know about the Pelicans, but the Grizz are, are airing their um, scrimmages on, on yep. Grizzlies.com. Uh, so I don't know what the Pelicans So We're going to have basketball back uh, Friday. So. Yeah, the the Pels' first one is Wednesday for everything. And so it's like, oh, okay, this is happening very fast. There's going to be on pelicans.com too. So it's I'm even excited for that and I can't wait to like pour over the film of rotations in different things in something that might not actually matter, but this is where we are with everything. Well, it's it's just like, you know, you get a little bit, you got to you got you got to get a little bit and take a lot out of it, you know? Like it's just there's just not much happening. So whatever you can get, you just gotta, you gotta take it for, for what you can. Cause there's just not, not much there, nothing happening. So, 
you know, whatever we can get, we'll take. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm excited for just all of this to return. Uh, I'm excited for these eight games because they are going to be, as I said earlier, intense. And basically for both, you know, less so for Memphis, maybe more so for New Orleans, it's going to have kind of a feeling of like every one of these eight games is almost like a game seven where you've got to win to kind of advance. The Grizzlies are in the driver's seat. I don't think there's any doubt about that. How are you feeling about them going into the bubble health-wise, injury-wise? We got an update on that like moments before we started recording. How are, How's the How team are, looking so far? You know, uh, right before we started recording this show, I'd say the team is looking fantastic, ready to play, all healthy. But uh, the Grizzlies just announced that Justice Winslow, will uh, he fell uh, during a scrimmage yesterday and uh, hurt his hip. They don't say what it was, but they say it will be out for the rest of the season. So uh, there's just, there's no really telling and a hip injury is a, is a really, really bad one to, to have no matter who you are or how old you are. So that's, that's pretty bad uh, for the Grizzlies just because he was slated to be their starting small forward. He was a guy that was, they traded for, for the heat earlier this year. He was hurt when they traded for him. Um, so he, you know, wasn't able to play right when they got him and then everything kind of stopped. So uh, he was able to get healthy and was, you know, was playing well and uh, people were excited about uh, Justice Winslow, I was really excited about Justice Winslow for what he could bring to this team. Um, but, you know, obviously that's not going to happen now. The Grizzlies are not going to have him. Uh, was a guy that really uh, would, you know, be beneficial for the Grizzlies defensively to uh, to really alleviate some pressure off some of the other guards. So um, it's a bummer, really. That That's, um, again, the Grizzlies just, uh, just announced that. So um, he won't be playing. But, you know, other than that, the Grizzlies are, are pretty healthy in terms of, other players that were hurt before they stopped, uh, Brandon Clark, Jaron Jackson Jr. There were a lot of guys that were just banged up at the end of the year for the Grizzlies, and so uh, those guys are back and healthy. Um, but there's there's no there's no way to uh, to really slice this that uh, Justice Winslow not being healthy for the Grizzlies is is not good at all for what their chances are for making the playoffs. I mean, he was going to be a significant impact player, but and then you know they they got to where they were this year without him, got to where they were uh, playing. Uh, the rotations that they have. So you know, hopefully they'll go back to that and and, and we'll see. I, I think I'm pretty confident in the ability for the Grizzlies to at least make the playing game. Um, just in terms of math, you know, we look, look at it like, yeah. just, you know, like we, we did a, a, a crossover set with the, with the Suns guy, um, uh, Evan and um, you know, like they're going to go eight. No, just to get even have a chance, which is not going to happen. Like it's just not going to happen. And the Grizzlies got to win like four games for them to be in the playing game. So like, yeah, that's pretty, I mean, I know their schedule looks on the surface hard, but those last three games against the the uh, against the Bucks, the Celtics, and the Heat, I believe, are games where they're not playing. I mean, are you playing Giannis the last part of this? No, not, not at all. I, I've been talking about that on my show here. It's it's you know eight games, and the Pelicans are three and a half back of Memphis. Is that's a lot in a really short period of time, and these aren't going to be you know eight games where everyone and every team is going 100%, right? There's no way the Bucs are playing Giannis in the last game more than maybe a quarter if he plays, right? Yeah, there's well, there's no reason. Like It's, it's just like at the end of the season, I've, I've, and I've said it on my show too, you look at the end of the regular season, that happens every year where guys, you know, teams sit. It's like a little bit, if you look at the Grizzlies schedule, at the end of the year, these games were still there. Like there was like the Heat and the Bucs, and like, oh my gosh, that's a terrible schedule to end up with. But in reality, like, how much are you really playing James Harden in the last game of the season? Like, do you care? No, you don't. Like, in this same situation, do the Bucks care? Like, even do the Bucks even care at all this entire time? Other they than have playing- to win one game to get uh, to lock up the one seed in the East. Uh, you know, unless if they if, unless they go zero and seven, I'm not thinking they're going to be playing all that hard in the final game. 
but 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 even in just general, like the yeah. all the games, like what what's the what's the real benefit for the Lakers or the you know the Celtics or the Bucks or the Rockets to go super hard? There's really no benefit other than you know, like you mentioned, they got to win one game to lock up you know something. You know, other than that, there's not real benefit, and so. You know, the Grizzlies got a hard schedule, quote unquote, a hard schedule at the end of the at the end of this um, uh, faux pas season or whatever. You know, it's but it's really not that hard, and so they don't have to win a lot just to make it to the playing game. So I I feel comfortable just because of the lead they built up and just because of math. Like I, it's just it's really what it kind of boils down to at this point. No, I agree. Look, I I don't think they're going to drop out of the eight spot. I think Memphis stays in that spot. I don't see any way they fall to nine. I think it'll end. I think they'll end up being a playoff either with the Pelicans or the Trailblazers. So before we get into that, though, do you think this kind of hiatus maybe helped Memphis given what their schedule looked like at the end of um, the regular season? If we didn't hit that stoppage point in March with some of the injuries, did things just kind of break the right way for him with this? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the Grizzlies got one of the biggest breaks out of all the teams. And I mean, they're, they are very, very beneficial. Um, you got to look at it like, um, you know, the Pelicans were in such a good spot. And then you take all those crappy teams out of the, out of the scenarios yep. where, and, and then immediately their schedule goes from super easy to kind of hard. I mean, it's not hard, but it's not against teams that don't matter and are crappy. Like that, that's a big deal. And the Grizzlies go from playing teams at every single time, um, you know, they, they, they go from playing our difficult teams every single time out to playing some teams that Pelicans twice in a row anymore. Like they only got to play them once. Yeah. Like, and, and it changes the whole dynamic of those games. Like we were talking oh, about, yeah. you know, with like the Bucks and all of that, it's entirely different when it's in this. So I think, you know, it's look, and Memphis was in the eight spot. You guys should have kind of the, the inside track, I think, on, on getting into the playoffs. So I don't see them. And because of that, I do not see them dropping. I think they'll stay in eighth. Are you concerned about them facing off against either the Pelicans or the Trailblazers in that eight-nine playing game? Uh, I'm, I'm concerned about. I would be concerned about the Pelicans. You know, I don't, and I don't know what this latest status is on, on Zion. I don't probably. I don't think anybody really knows. Yeah, no one knows that right but, now. You know, like if he's there, like Zion's an excellent player. I mean, Pelicans are an excellent ball club. Period. Like the, the amount of the amount of young players that the Pelicans and the Grizzlies have. I mean, I to be quite honest, I think you're looking at the future of the Western Conference in yeah. this oh, I'm with you. right here, um, which I think is awesome. I love it. I love the rivalry it, between the Pelicans fans. The fact that I, it's I, a I divisional that. rivalry, the fact that so, like we're five hours apart, you know, less if you're driving yeah. really fast is great. Oh yeah, and so like I think that's a big part of it. Like that, that's huge. So I'm I'm more concerned about the Pelicans than I would be the Trailblazers. Um, you know, I just I, I don't. Trailblazers don't have a whole lot going for them, and they got CJ and Dame, but like, you know, they got some injuries there, then and they got some guys coming back that haven't played for a whole year. Like, that's a big deal, man. Like, it, it, you know, going hard in the NBA just from zero to hundred is not easy at all. Even with, even with preseason games, even with scrimmages, it just, it's not, it's not, it's not easy. If it was easy, you know, me and you'd be out there doing it, but it's, it's just <laughs> not, it's just not what it is. I, I so even if it was I easy, think, my jumper's not good enough. <laughs> I always tell people I'm really good at basketball as long as I don't have to run, jump, play defense, uh, really shoot it all. If I could just stand there in the corner, maybe I'd probably be really, really good. But beyond that, it's not great. Um, but yeah, I mean, if it was, you know, it's just difficult to do. And so I, I think that 
you know, I'd, I'd be more, I'm more concerned about the Pelicans when they, if, and I think that's probably the most likely scenario of the plan is that the Grizzlies and the Belgians probably play. Um, and considering the Grizzlies have lost all uh, every time the Pelicans, they played the Pelicans this year. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a difficult pill to swallow, but on the flip side of that, like if the Grizzlies put themselves in that situation and they lose, it will be only their fault. Like you can't yeah, like, like, like Grizzlies fans cannot complain. Um, I know they will, they will. Um, and I will too. Is, 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 uh, is that the conspiracy theory about the NBA making sure Zion gets in? Well, I mean, look, all right, look, people are saying, <laughs> like, here's the thing. Like, all right, I work in, I work in broad, like live sports broadcast. Like it is my job to do this, um, as, uh, as a producer. And so, um, like if you look at it in reality, the, like the, the reality of the situation is Zion puts eyeballs on televisions and the more eyeballs on televisions, I mean, more money yeah. and more money, the bigger the league. I mean, it's just like, if you don't understand why the league wants Zion and for that matter, a little bit to a less extent, John Morant in the playoffs, then you're probably missing the whole point. Zion is the number one ticket and he always has been all year long. And for good reason, he's awesome. Like, I don't know, like, mm-hmm. you know, I go back and forth with the Pelicans fans on Twitter just because I think it's funny and, and fun and, and it's entertaining, but <laughs> Zion Williamson is awesome. And, but, but I think Zion and Ja are one A and one B. I think Ja is just as awesome in different areas. I mean, they're both different players, but yeah, that's fair. You don't understand I, like, why, if you don't understand why the league wants Zion in the, in the playoffs, you're missing the whole point. Like you just don't get it. And that's fine because a lot of fans just, they got, you know, they got their fan glasses on and that's totally cool. But they want Zion in for for a certain reason, just like they probably want Ja and Zion in that playing game. Like that's the big that's going to be the biggest draw for them. Like I know, like if, if you put DJ ZJ and Dame in there, that's fine and all. But you had Zion and Ja in that playing game. That's the biggest draw they could hope for. Yeah, look, there's a reason they expanded to 22 teams. You know, should Portland really be in there? But you want to get Damian Lillard in there if you can, because I like right. watching him play. Same for any of these guys. Look, Devin Booker's there. I would never watch a Suns game otherwise. You know. So it's kind exactly. of like that sort of thing. It makes sense. Plus, the you know, it kind of ended up aligning with the Pelicans' schedule. They're the only team that has an under 500 like opponent winning percentage in this, which is why I think they can easily end up finishing in that ninth spot and getting into the play-in game, or the play-in series, whatever you want to call it, with the Grizzlies. That'll be interesting, though, because the Pelicans have beaten them pretty handily both in the both games that they've played. But it's at that point, then they'll have one game left in these final eight. So they, in theory, need to win that. That's three and oh, right there. Then they have to go two and oh in that playing series. It's tough to beat a team five and oh in, in oh, yeah. a, a season it's in like anything, impossible. right? Nearly impossible. I mean, you look at, the, I mean, they're, they're, there's a reason why we have seven game series in playoffs. I mean, there's a reason for that. It's, it's, it's nearly impossible to, to beat a team that many times in a row. Um, you know, so you'd have, you know, it, plus the teams, they, the times they played them before, like, you don't think that you know the Grizzlies staff is going back and looking at the film that they had before this yeah. of the of the Grizzlies Pelicans games? You know that's you're stupid. Like that's just how it works. So like, um, there's gonna be a lot of there's gonna be a lot of back and forth. And so it's difficult. I mean, the Grizzlies again, the Grizzlies are in, in the in a position to succeed, and like and 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 rightly so. Let's be fair about that. Like they put all the work into the season to get three and a half games up. Like they're yeah because they put themselves in a position to succeed before this. I know that Pelicans fans don't like that. You know, like I get a lot of back and forth, but that's just the reality of the situation. However, you know, given the given the rest of the season and how it's played out, you have to give those other teams like the Pelicans, who quite frankly had a super easy schedule and the Grizzlies did not. And it was the Grizzlies were not playing great at the end of the 
that stretch, like, there's a good chance that they would have, you know, all being all being equal, um, you know, that's just that's just the way it worked out. And I think it's I think it's perfect the way it worked out. I think they did a great job. But the Grizzlies have every advantage here. And if they don't make it to the playoffs, they'll have nobody to, to blame but themselves. That's just the reality of the situation. They'll have to look at their, their play and go, well, we just weren't good enough. And that's just the truth. Yeah, and that's not even a bad thing. Even for the Pelicans, both these teams are super young that, you know, it's not necessarily a disaster if they kind of don't get in with all of this either side of things. You know, it doesn't mean they weren't close. It doesn't mean they didn't have a good or valuable season, I think. And that's something that maybe fans kind of lose a little bit of perspective on when it comes to that sort of thing. So before we wrap up here, what have you seen from both these two teams when they've played so far this year with the Pelicans, you know, again, beating them fairly handily, I think. But what what do you think the matchups uh, problems have been for Memphis with New Orleans? Well, you know, I think it's been a, a bit different every time they've played. And yeah. that's the ultimate issue is that we have not really seen a Grizzlies Pelicans team that are both healthy at the same time going head to head, you know, and we still won't see that because, um, you know, Zion, I mean, he, we don't know if he'll be back for this Grizzlies game, which is pretty soon in the schedule. Uh, Justice Winslow definitely won't be there. Uh, but, you know, the Grizzlies, they, they, they struggled perimeter, de- you know, perimeter defense. That's their biggest thing. I mean, locking up um, locking up guys on the pick and roll is something that the Pelicans are, are quite good at. Um, it's difficult for the Grizzlies. Uh, they, they really struggle with their bigs getting up and down the court and in and around pick and rolls. That, that's one of the biggest problems they have, and we've seen it all year long. When you get a team that can run pick and rolls well and run them correctly, you know, a lot of teams run the pick and roll, and it's just, uh, you know, the, the pick's not great or the roll's not, you know, the, the route going around the pick's not great. Um, when the Grizzlies face a team that they can run that quite effectively, especially high pick and rolls and side pick and rolls, um, they really, really struggle with that. And it's something that the Grizzlies have had to adjust with, uh, you know, mainly because they start, you know, Jonas Valanciunas in that situation. And he's the biggest, uh, he's the biggest problem in that area. So a lot of times they've had to go to Ja and Brandon Clark early uh, to kind of alleviate that situation. But still, it's just a, it's a situation where um, they have difficulty deciding on what to do in that pick and roll with a lot of young teams have the same problem, have the difficulty to understand what is happening, whether the hedge, whether to, uh, whether to ice a pick, or all those different things that you learn. And a lot of those guys, they just, they just struggle with it. And that, that's just, that's just, it sucks for them because that's one of the easiest things. I guess it's one of the most used uh, sets in the NBA. It's how you start every set, really. And so they really struggle from the get-go in that. And, and when it happens, you know, sometimes they, they struggle with going with a roll man or struggle with staying with a shooter. And it leaves a lot of open threes, or at least a lot of easy, easy buckets. So um, that that's the biggest problem with the Grizzlies, and that's you know I think that's something the, the Pelicans do quite well and have the personnel to do really well. That that's the biggest thing. They have the personnel, I think, to do that really well. No, that, so that's going to be interesting when these two teams play in these final eight games. I forget which one it is off the top of my head here, but when they play, if Memphis defends that better, it probably gives them an increased chance of beating New Orleans just one of the times. Should those be the eighth and ninth seeds in this, and they're kind of in that uh two game one game playoff whatever you want to call it so that's going to be something to really watch during that game uh with how things go with these two teams so that was great great insight there so mark thanks for taking the time with me to chat about the grizzlies in the restart of the nba absolutely man anytime
All right, that's going to do it for today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. Big thank you to Mark King for coming on, chatting about the Memphis Grizzlies with me, the final of the Bubble Bubble previews here, uh, and the team that's in the eighth spot. So that's kind of an important one to really keep an eye on as that's the spot the Pelicans are going to be gunning for, though I feel pretty good about it, especially after seeing the scrimmage, which was a great victory for New Orleans. So again, thank you all for listening. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Big thank you also to rockauto.com amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com and i'll be back with you all tomorrow